Well, hey, Kevin Harney, who is a pastor, tells uh, a story from years ago about a, boy, about a little boy named Dustin, uh, who's in his congregation, who came to church with a pack of Smarties. Now, I'm assuming you remember Smarties from when you were a kid, maybe as an adult. Uh, it was one of the candy uh, that was given out at Trick or Treat. This is the regular size of them. So I went down to Grandpa Joe's here in Miamisburg and got the jumbo size, just uh, for you to be able to see better, not necessarily for me to, you know, eat by myself later. But uh, 10 to 12 pieces of candy in a pack, they're perfect for sharing. And Kevin says, listen, I'm not a fan of Smarties, but when I saw Dustin come into church with a fresh roll, I had to ask him if I could have one. He said Dustin immediately reached into his packet of Smarties and peeled out a piece and gave it to me with this big smile. He goes, Dustin immediately became my Smarties hero. And he said, what was interesting is that from that day forward, every time for two years he was, that Dustin was given a, part, a pack of Smarties, he took one out and he set it aside for Kevin. So every Sunday he would track him down at church and generously Dustin would offer him one or more of his Smarties. And he did it with a smile. Kevin said he would do it smiling as if he actually enjoyed sharing those. Now, sometimes Dustin would open his pack of Smarties during the week, and, uh, but he would still save him the first one from his packet. Uh, he'd put it in his pocket and bring it with him to church. Uh, Kevin said sometimes by the time he got there, the Smartie was a little mangy, uh, might have a little bit of pocket lint on it or some other pocket paraphernalia that had attached itself to this Marty, but he never failed to bring it with him. And Kevin said, since that time, I've asked myself many times, how am I doing with my Smarties? Now listen, I, I want to ask that a different way. How am I doing when it comes to living generously? Hold on to that thought. Listen, if this is your first time with us, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. Really glad that you're here. We have started a series last week called Live Generously, and what we're doing is we're following the Apostle Paul uh, through his writings and looking at his example, how he teaches us to live generously, what that means in real life. Well, so last week, uh, we saw what it means to live generously when it comes to our friendships. Uh, Paul and Barnabas is what we looked at, and I appreciated what Adam shared last week about how to be a generous friend, and I've got to tell you that my biggest takeaway was this. It's easy to believe it for ourselves. It's discipleship to believe it for somebody else. That's friendship. That's what friends do. Next week, I'm going to be talking about what it means to live generously uh, as a spiritual father and how that played out in Paul's relationship with Timothy. And I want to make sure you get what we did this year. So we just came out of a series called Women Who Changed Their World. And on Mother's Day, we talked about how Timothy's faith was actually given to him, handed down in his family. His grandmother Lois, his mom Eunice had it and then handed it to Timothy. And we're going to wrap that around. We're coming back around to it again because in Timothy's life, Paul became his spiritual father. And so we're going to talk about how that played out in his life next week. But today, I want to talk about how Paul encouraged the Jesus followers in the city of Corinth to live generously through their giving. And I got to say, generosity seems to be a tricky concept uh, for us. So in the first century, Jerusalem was a pocket of poverty. The Romans had uh, 
taken up residence. They devastated Jerusalem's economy. They'd broken Israel's pride. The Christians in Jerusalem were groaning under the burdens of poverty and persecution. And so Paul was going from church to church, urging them to give generously to support the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. So in 2 Corinthians, it's written about 55 AD. In this letter, Paul chronicles that journey around the country, taking up this collection for the poor. The church in, Jeru- uh, the, church in the city of Corinth had previously indicated that they would send money to help the church in Jerusalem, which was very poor by now, but the money that they had promised had not been forthcoming. So Paul's writing this letter to remind them of their generosity. He does so by actually using the example of another church, the church in Macedonia, as an example. So let's look at what he writes. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. He says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of their severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty, it welled up in a rich generosity. Now, uh, at one time, this region of Macedonia consisted of, of gold and silver mines, which had gradually played out. And so now these cities are basically just stops on the way to to Rome. In AD 42, it was the site of two great battles between Octavian and Antony, and it's just eight years after that that the Apostle Paul came and established the church. So what we need to picture is a town that was once robust but had lost its source of wealth, had been ravaged by war, and yet these people were incredibly generous. On your notes, if you're using the YouVersion Bible app to follow along, it says this, Sometimes when we're under financial stress, we become miserly and we feel no responsibility to be generous. And that makes sense if you have no faith in God. But if you have faith in God, tough financial times present an opportunity to present, to demonstrate where your trust is. And just to highlight this, I want to tell you that word in verse 2, extreme poverty, it means more poor than someone who's homeless. This passage teaches us that you're never so poor that you can't be generous and demonstrate that God is in charge of of your life. As a matter of fact, at the Jewish feast of Purim, the Old Testament records a regulation commanding that however poor a person was, they were to find someone who had less than them and give them a gift because God was training his people even then to be generous in need regard to those in need regardless of where they were in their life. Now, if poor Christians in the first century were generous with what they have, how much more should we be generous with what we have. And maybe you've seen this, it's also uh, in the notes. It's not how much you'd be giving if a million should befall your lot, but what are you doing this Sunday with a buck and a quarter you got, right? I mean, that's the mentality. Verse 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And then in verse 4, he says that the Macedonians urgently pleaded with us to give. They begged us to give. Think about, if you have children around you, think about your child uh, begging you for just five more minutes, urgently pleading. And i got to tell you, this happens at MCC all the time. It's happened during, this, during COVID. Uh, there have been people who have looked for ways to help others. Now, I've said many times that we've been able to be involved in our community, working with the school system, with other congregations to help provide 
over 60,000 meals for students during this school year. We've also, uh, some things you may not know, there was a family who lost most of their income during this time. We were able to help them uh, with a car payment. We've delivered, when we were delivering food for a family, uh, we also paid for a month of lodging uh, because they were living in a hotel. We have bought and installed an alternator for a single mom. We've paid electric bills for at least two families. We've helped several families with uh, prescriptions, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for groceries and diapers. We've helped people with rent. We've bought specific supplies for different ministry partners right here in our own community. Listen, I had somebody stop by my house and, and say, I want to give you this so that we can help people who are struggling financially. I've had multiple people, and honestly, I should have started counting, and I didn't think to do it. But I appreciate so much because they told me, I trust the leadership at MCC to do what's right with this. I just want this to help people who are in need. Listen, what I love about that is that we have people who see giving as a privilege. They look for ways to make a difference in the lives of other people. Warren Wearsby said this, when you've experienced the grace of God in your life, you'll not use difficult circumstances for an excuse for not giving. Check this out in verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. I love this, what he says. They gave, do you see what they gave? They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, they gave themselves also to us. So we're going to stop there just for a moment. The first thing they did was they gave their lives to Jesus. Full and completely, 100%, Jesus, take my life. It is not my own. And then Paul says, by the will of God, they gave it also to us. Listen, all of this generosity that we're talking about and looking at, it all began when they gave their lives to Jesus. That's the foundation from which they could give. So let me say it this way. The Macedonians show us, are you ready? This is in your notes. Generous living means more than money. And honestly, sometimes the easiest thing for me to do is just give some money because it salves my conscience. I feel like I participated, even if I really didn't. Sometimes I'm just making an issue go away from my plate. Someone said it like this, a telltale sign of authentic, generous servant giving is personal involvement. When we look for ways to not give just money, but to give ourselves. And listen, while we're stopped for a minute, let me give you this also from the Macedonians. Generous living is about attitude, not amount. There are some people who make very large gifts but they may not be generous. In fact, they could be stingy. They just happen to have a larger bucket from which to give. And sometimes the most generous gifts given in the gospel, according to Jesus, as a matter of fact, the most generous gift given in the gospels, according to Jesus, was a widow who gave two mites, two small copper coins, in today's economy, worth less than a penny. Which leads to one more lesson we learned from the Macedonians. Generous living is about being generous with what I have, not with what I don't have. Keep in mind who we're talking about. Listen, these were not wealthy people. And here's the reality of that. If you and I are not learning to be generous givers when we have just a little, we're not going to be generous givers when we have a lot. If we don't excel in this grace of giving when our bucket is small, most likely we're not going to excel in the grace of giving if our bucket for some reason gets bigger. So back to Paul's letter to Corinth, verse 6. So we urge Titus, since he had made an earlier beginning, 
to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So let's be great givers when it comes to our finances, but understand that giving financially isn't just about money. Listen, if our giving generously is part of how we live generously, it's not just an action. It's an attitude that flows through our lives. It's what verse 7 said. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. We ought to live our lives as if we are answering the question, how can I live generously today, right? So, do you know why that's important to God that his children are generous? Check this out, it's in the notes. When I live generously, I refresh other people. We're reminded of this all the way back in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 11, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's not know, have you ever, have you ever had someone give you something, especially if it was unexpected, and it put a little spring in your step? Uh, in his book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman talks about the five languages, and, and he lists meaningful touch and quality time and acts of service and encouraging words and giving gifts, fifth love language. And you've done this. Listen, the number of people here at MCC who have tithed from their stimulus check that they received a few months ago beyond what they normally give. Uh, and we've had some who said they didn't need that stimulus check at all, and they gave the whole thing to help others who are in need during this time. Listen, i got to tell you, during the first four weeks of the shutdown, we lost a lot of ground here uh, financially at MCC. And you already know, you've heard me say we curbed our spending, but we knew we were still in trouble. And so our leaders began to pray. And I want to say that through you, God turned it around. So I just want to say thank you for being generous in your giving here at MCC. In the next chapter, Paul reminds the people in Corinth of how their plan to be generous affected the Macedonians. Chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1 says, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I don't know if you notice his words or not. They're all about compassion and heart, eagerness to help, ready to give, enthusiasm, stirred to action, generous gift. Those are all words that tell you that the human heart is growing and expanding. And so what Paul is saying is the Corinthians' heart was in the right place, but Paul needed to remind them to finish what they started. In other words, it's not the thought that counts. It's the action of generosity that counts. Verse 3, he says, But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said that you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would have been? So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. 
Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, have you ever been in a situation where you made a contribution, but your heart wasn't in it? Is that the way God gives gifts? Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Listen, do you know why God likes to bless people who live generously? It's because they look an awful lot like him. There's a family resemblance when Jesus' followers are living in a generous way. And I want to be very clear, generosity alone does not save us. Check this out. There are a lot of generous people in the world who aren't Christians, but there shouldn't be any Christians in the world who aren't generous. So, generosity is this key factor that makes us like Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to look uh, down at the bottom of the screen, the sliding scale of 1 to 10, and I want you to answer this question, if you would, because this is really our next step when we talk about our next step of faith right? The next step of faith for you is to answer this question, am I less generous or am I more generous? So before you land on a number, don't say it out loud or anything. Let's talk about this. I'm going to say, right, that you're not a 10 because you're not Jesus. So we'll take 10 off the list, all right? You don't have to worry about getting there. And we're going to say that you're not one because that's, that's the devil, all right? So we're going we're gonna to assume that at least this week, you will, if you get the chance, Open the door for somebody who's going in the same place ahead of you. So we'll, we'll, we're going to take the, the uh, extremes off the end. Uh, so this can be tricky. This can be tricky because you can have a lot of money and give what many people consider to be a large gift, but for you it really doesn't cost you anything. Uh, and so for you that actually doesn't make you generous. Uh, but I want you to think about it. Maybe not in so much as to how much you give, but how much you keep for yourself. I mean, is that a fair way to look at this? Because maybe you have very little, and what you give seems little to others, but because you have so little, what you gave was actually a lot to you. It was very generous on your part. Maybe you're a tither. Maybe you give offerings above that, and maybe you look for other ways to give. Maybe you serve. You give your time. Maybe you're a seven or an eight or a nine. You might, on the other hand, be a person who finds it very difficult to give. And quite frankly, right now, you're a little angry that we're even talking about this. Let's, let's call it what it is. You're sensitive to the subject, and you don't like it. So we're going to go somewhere between two and nine. We're not going to hit the extremes because you're not Jesus and you're not the devil. Although if you're the devil, if you would, go ahead and leave as soon as you could. That'd be great. Hey, what would it be? Take a moment. Two to nine. More generous, less generous. What do I want to encourage you to do if you're a follower of Jesus is to live generously. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah says, but generous people do what? What do generous people do? Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. They think ahead about it. They prepare their minds and their hearts, their attitudes to be a generous person. Don't miss the power of that. Listen, being generous is not merely something that we do. Being generous is who, as followers of Jesus, we are. It's how we live our lives. 
So your next step is to answer that question. How can I live generously today? Listen, on, on your notes, last quote, I believe. You don't have to be rich. Small deeds done with great love can change the world. And can I just say it plows the ground of your heart to help you be generous in every area of your life. And so maybe for you today, a great way to plow the ground is just to be generous with your words, with your kindness, with maybe to be generous with your compassion, or maybe it's to be generous, maybe it's a small act like getting the door for someone before they walk in or or out of the car or into your house. Maybe, maybe if you have young children with you, Maybe it's reading a book with them. Maybe it's taking time to play a game. And can I just suggest, if you're going to play Candyland, stack the cards so you're always moving forward. I mean, there's generous and there's generous, all right? Listen, our generosity reminds us and shows people what we think of them. Let me say that one more time. Our generosity reminds us and shows other people what we think of them. Live generously. That's why each week we stop to remember that God has shown us what he thinks of us. You know, and it's one of those verses that I memorized as a kid. Maybe you learned it as a child as well. And it was pointed out to me in college, right? For God so loved the world that he... What? What did he do? For God, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. Another version says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. And every week we come to this time where we remember the generosity of God, that he loved us so much. He wanted us to know what he thought of us, because our generosity reminds us and tells others what we think of them. God was telling us what he thinks of us, and loves us so much that he would give his son. And so here in a moment, we hold the emblems that remind us of his body that was broken for us, Jesus' body broken on the cross, the juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed at the cross, because God loves us so much that when he thought about eternity and forever in heaven in his home, he couldn't bear the thought of being there without you. And so he did everything possible for him to invite us in. And this reminds us not only of his generosity towards us, but it reminds us to be generous to those around us as well. It might just have an impact on their eternity. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you so much for who you are and who you call us to be. You never stop calling us to be like you. And so this time right now where we talk about living lives that are generous. When it comes to our finances, Father, it just pulls us back into the thought. Our finances should be reflective of your kingdom the way everything in our life is. Our words, our attitude, our actions, our friendships. Father, as we look at parent and child relationships next week, God, our whole life, we should live as if we're answering this question How can I live generously today? And so we take these emblems now because they remind us this is where we stake our claim. This is the line we've drawn in the sand. We trust you, and you have shown us how much you love us. And so we remember the cross, 
the foundation that we base our lives upon, the model whose example we follow. God, may these emblems remind us of your great love and your great generosity. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. And thank you for paying the price for our sins. May we live our lives following you. In your name we pray. Amen.